Our scripture reading is from the book of Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at his rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all of Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Today we are having a conversation about joy, and so I thought it made sense to model some laughter here in this time together. So I brought along some jokes with me, just a few peppered throughout the sermon, but I want to give you fair warning. These are not jokes for those among us with refined comedic sensibilities. No, no, my friends, these are dad jokes. And I wanted to offer this opening salvo of dad jokes in this conversation about joy to our youngest disciples. So if you've got little ones watching and worshiping with you today, I want to invite them to pay attention as I ask them, why did Humpty Dumpty love autumn? It's because Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. What do you call a pig that can do karate? A pork chop. How do you get a tissue to dance? You put a little boogie in it. And here's my favorite, but parents, you might have to help your kids with this one. What did the green grape say to the purple grape? Breathe, dummy! We do not know a lot about the wise men, but we know that they brought joy with them when they came to visit Mary and Joseph. The story of the wise men is very brief in Scripture, but it does tell us a few things about them. For example, it tells us that they were not native to Israel, that they came from somewhere east of the nation of Judah. Likely, they came from Persia. And, and even this tells us something incredibly important Jesus was attended to that day, not just by those from his region and his country, but from 
around the world. Because Christ didn't come for one tribe or one nation or one tongue. Christ came for all the world. Another thing that we know about the wise men is that they were somewhat wealthy. We know this because of the nature of the gifts that they brought to Jesus. And so, once again, we see the stratification of the kingdom of God. That God is welcoming both to the wealthiest and to those like the shepherds who were penniless. Christ came for all the world. And the wise men helped to demonstrate that. They brought tremendous gifts with them. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Each one costly. Each one significant. But perhaps more important than anything else, any other gift in the story of the wise men, is the truth that as the wise men came to Mary and Joseph, they experienced and brought the gift of joy. Today, we're going to spend a little bit of time laughing together and learning about this great lesson of joy with the help of the story of the wise men. There was a little boy who asked his father one day, Dad, is it okay to eat a bug? And the dad said, son, we're sitting around the dinner table. This is not appropriate conversation. It's gross. Okay. So dinner concluded and the dishes were done and put away. And the father turned to the son and said, son, what did you want to say to me? And the son said, oh, nothing. You had a, you had a bug in your soup, but now, well, it's gone. The Bible tells us that the wise men brought joy with them. And the story of the wise men teaches us something about joy as well. And here is the first lesson. Joy is coming. Joy is coming. Joy is on the way. Mary and Joseph had just welcomed Jesus. And we might think back upon that time and convince ourselves that it was a time of of tremendous happiness for the Holy Family. And if we take a moment to remember, their lives were uncertain. They traveled to Bethlehem from their home in Nazareth. And they must have been worried about the return journey because as they traveled back home again, they were once more going to have to traverse three different mountain ranges, three mountain ranges with a baby. Add to this the immense sense of pressure They simply must have felt, given the situation, they were the ones responsible to raise God's son. I know from being a parent that the first time you hold your child is a time of tremendous wonder. But I also know the profound sense of responsibility that comes with it. Imagine how that must have been magnified with Mary and Joseph, knowing that they were raising the son of God How many times must Joseph have looked over to Mary in the middle of the night and said, baby, we better not mess this up? I mean, think about it. If if your child says to you, they don't want to eat their vegetables, you say to them, well, you have to. What happens when the Son of God doesn't want to eat his carrots? What do you do then? There was tremendous weight Such responsibility. 
must have rested so heavily on Mary and Joseph. And then, unexpectedly, the wise men showed up. And the Bible tells us that they were filled with joy. A joy that is infectious. It's almost impossible not to be encouraged when someone around us is full of authentic joy. Mary and Joseph felt the gravity of their lives and God interceded with a gift. Joy. God does the same with us, by the way. There is a promise in Scripture. It comes from the 30th Psalm, the 5th verse. It says, Weeping may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Joy is coming. Each one of the gifts that we've discussed this year Peace, hope, love, and today joy. Each one of them share a trait in common. For each one of these gifts, each is unconditional. They go beyond the scope of our circumstance. If you recall, the Bible talks about God's peace as a peace that surpasses understanding God's peace is bigger than whatever we are facing in this moment. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about hope and how hope is not tethered to the challenges we encounter today. The love of God? The love of God is not bound by circumstance in the least. The Bible tells us as much. For in Romans, we hear that God demonstrates God's love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It did not matter to God what we had done, what the circumstances were. God chose to love us. And the same is true of joy. God's joy isn't conditional. It is beyond the scope of our circumstance. In fact, joy is what helps us to transcend our circumstance. There's a passage in the book of Habakkuk, chapter 3, verses 17 through 18. Here's what it says. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. Like peace, hope, and love, we experience joy not because of our present circumstances, but because of the presence of God in our circumstances. Mary and Joseph were plagued with the weight of their moment, and God gave them joy. And you can take this to the bank, church. Joy is coming for you as well.
little boy asked his dad, Daddy, how were we born? Where did we come from? And the dad said, well, Adam and Eve had babies, and they grew up and had babies, and they grew up and had babies, and eventually, there's us. And the little boy said, okay. But he still wasn't exactly sure, so he did what often little boys do. He went and he asked his mom. Mom, where do babies come from? How did we get here? And the mom said, well... Honey, we we started out as monkeys, and then we evolved to become what we are today. Possessed by this new information, the little boy ran back to his father and said, Daddy, you lied to me. Mommy said we came from monkeys, not Adam and Eve. And the dad said, I didn't lie to you, son. When your mom said we came from monkeys, she was talking about her side of the family. Joy is on the way to all of us. But my brothers and sisters, our posture must not be to simply sit back and wait for it. Because here's the second thing we learn from the wise men about joy. Joy comes on the journey. Joy comes on the journey. The Bible tells us there in Matthew that The wise men felt joy before they ever saw Jesus. The joy came not from the destination, but from the journey. Faithfully following where God was leading. My friends, we so often, we try to convince ourselves that joy and happiness will be ours once our circumstances have changed. When I reach my goal, then finally I will be content. But the joy we find in Christ isn't about a destination. It's a journey of faithfulness. The Apostle Paul models this perhaps better than anyone in human history. In the book of Philippians, he wrote these words. He said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Those words are indicative of the major theme of the book of Philippians. In fact, throughout history, Philippians has been called the epistle of joy. Where where was it written? Paul wrote the book of Philippians while he was awaiting execution. The epistle of joy was born in a prison cell. Why? Why? Because joy is not confined. It's not about where we are. Joy is found on our journey. The wise men, they didn't know joy because they saw Jesus. They were filled with joy because they chosen to take the path that was faithful to God. Listen to what the prophet Jeremiah has to say about joy. In Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 16. He says, when your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name, Lord God Almighty. If you're the kind of person that memorizes scripture verses, I want to encourage you to memorize Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 16. 
Write it down. Become familiar with it. When your words came, I ate them. They were my joy, my heart's delight, for I bear your name, Lord God Almighty. Joy is coming, my friends. Joy is coming. It is the promise of God to believers, but we don't have to sit around and wait for it. We can run towards it. We can consume God's word and follow God's path. Because joy is found on the journey. All right, one last dad joke. Mahatma Gandhi often walked barefoot which produced an impressive set of calluses on his feet. He also ate very little, making him rather frail. And with his odd diet, it's reported he often suffered from bad breath. And when we put all of this together, what we come to understand is that Gandhi was a super calloused, fragile mystic hexed with halitosis. Super calloused, fragile mystic hexed with halitosis. My, my problem with telling you that joke is that now that song is going to be in your head all day. It's been in mine all week, and I'm sorry, but I promise that's my last dad joke. And here is the final lesson we learn from the wise men about joy. Joy is meant to be shared. Joy is meant to be shared. The wise men did not keep the joy that God had given them on the journey to themselves. They shared it with Mary and Joseph. I read a story this week about a conference that took place out in Colorado. It was a Presbyterian conference. And the person who was Organizing had a really interesting idea. They filled a bunch of balloons with helium. And they they gave one to everyone as they they came into the auditorium for the worship service. And they were instructed to to let, let their balloon go when their souls were touched by the joy of the Lord. Now, they were Presbyterian brothers and sisters and didn't always feel so comfortable shouting out a hallelujah or an amen or praise the Lord. But here was a chance for them them to express the joy that God gave them. So the service commenced at this conference and time to time a balloon would go up here and a balloon would go up there. At the end of the service, one of the pastors noted that about a third of the people in the congregation were still hanging on to their balloons. Let your, go, your joy go. Let that joy go. We have the power and the mandate to share the joy of the Lord with those around us, to be carriers of it. And what's more, our joy may be exactly what bolsters someone for the journey that is to come. That's what happened with Mary and Joseph. Our scripture reading today ended in verse 12. But if we were to go on and read verse 13, here's what happens next in the story. After the wise men leave, an angel immediately appears to Joseph. It says, take Mary and the baby and flee to Egypt. 
when they encountered joy, they had no idea the kind of journey that was in front of them over the course of the desert in a foreign land. A journey that had taken their ancestors 40 years to complete. Mary and Joseph were forced to flee for their lives and for the life of their little boy, and yet, because they had just encountered the wise men, just received gold to offset the cost of their journey. But more than that, they'd been given the gift of joy to sustain them. The joy that we share with others isn't just about making them feel better, though hallelujah if that works. The joy that we share with others is an invitation to be in relationship with God and to begin the journey that God calls everyone towards. Our joy helps prepare people for their journey of faithfulness. There was a a woman by the name of Jean Nidich. She was a, a homemaker and really wrestled with her weight. At one point she weighed in, she confessed later, at over 200 pounds. and So she went to the New York City Health Department and asked for a, a diet, which she was given, a personalized diet. Two months later, she was discouraged because though she'd lost some weight, she still had 50 pounds left to lose. And so... She invited over six friends, all of whom were wrestling with their weight. She invited them over to talk about the diet, discuss the ways that they could strategize to stay faithful to that diet. Today, years later, 4.6 million members attend over 250,000 Weight Watcher meetings in 24 countries around the world every single week. (laughs) What was it that enabled Jean Nidich to make such a significant impact on so many people's lives? When I answered that question, she told a story. She said when she was a little girl, growing into her teenage years and then up into her working years, she would walk through this little park close to her home. And as she walked through the park, she would see little kids on swing sets. And some of their families were gathered around benches talking, and sometimes the families had stopped pushing the children on the swings, and the kids were calling out, asking for someone to push them. And so Jean said, in the midst of her little neighborhood, she'd walk by and she would give these children a push. And they would cackle, and they would laugh, because there's no joy quite like a little person on a swing. But then she went on to say this. You know what happens when you push a little kid on a swing? Pretty soon, he's pumping. He's doing it himself. She said, that's what my role in life is. I'm there to give others a little push, a little hope, a little joy. The wise men 
gave of themselves. They gave gold and frankincense and myrrh. They gave of their time. And on the journey to see Christ, they encountered joy. And we learn a lot about joy from them. We learn that joy is coming. But also that we don't just have to sit around and wait for it. Today we can begin our own journey that unleashes joy into our lives. The wise men also teach us that our joy is not meant for us alone. It's meant to be shared. Throughout this series, we have come to see that God wants us to experience truly, truly abundant lives. Lives that are filled with peace, hope, Love and joy. All of which are anchored beyond our problems because they are rooted in Christ. And I wonder this day, would you be willing to give up? To give up your fear, your anxiety, confusion your anger in place of the gift that God wants to place in your life through Jesus Christ is today the day that you will give up and finally receive the blessings the blessings of the living God Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the story of the wise men. Such an enigmatic and unique passage. In some ways, we are so curious about them. In other ways, they teach us so much. They teach us that you have come to all the world. They teach us how important joy is. Father, we ask for your grace to know down in our souls that joy is coming for us, but not to wait for it. To get up and make the journey that you call us to make and encounter our joy along that path of faithfulness. As we find ourselves marked by this joy that we would share it with those around us. Father, I... I want to take a moment to those whose hearts are so full of everything else. Anxiety and fear and confusion. There feels like there's no room left for anything. Lord, you're the one who can take it away. You're the one who can replace our fear with peace. Our confusion with hope. You're the one who can cause joy and love to burst forth in us. You can do that if, if, oh God, we will give up. So in this moment, this holy time, let us give up those things we've been holding on and holding back and receive the blessing of God.
through Jesus Christ. In whose name and for whose sake we pray. Amen.